beginning transmission of Music Biz Radio. Thank you for listening. Here is your host David Richards. Hello and welcome to Music Biz Radio. I'm your host, David Richards. We have another great show for you today. We have a very special guest in jazz and funk drummer, Mike Clark. Our CD release artist of the week is Hot Jazz Jumpers. And joining us on the show today from Hot Jazz Jumpers is Nick Ruzzo. And we'll also have our special In the Shed with Mike Clark. Before we get started on today's show, I'd like to remind you that Music Biz Radio is funded by you, the listener. I'd like to thank this week's contributors. Thank you very much to Dennis Puskas, Rob Malicote, Pistol Pete, and Dion Mears. Thank you so much for helping with the show. You're helping to fund the program and our Music Biz Radio concert series, which begins on August 13th from the world-famous Birdland Jazz Club in New York City. We'll be doing a live broadcast of the Steve Johns family, where they'll be playing their new CD live. We'll be broadcasting that, and you can also hear it in the archives. You, too, can be a contributor to Music Biz Radio. We have several different rewards and contribution levels. You can do this by going to GoFundMe.com slash MusicBizRadio. Any level contribution will help, and we thank you very much. Okay, on the line, we have a very special guest on Music Biz Radio today. He is an American jazz and funk drummer who many might know uh, from playing with the Headhunters uh, with Herbie Hancock in the mid-70s and has played with a variety of people, including Woody Shaw, Eddie Henderson, Tony Bennett, uh, to name a few, Chet Baker, and many, many more. You've also heard many of his samples on uh, a lot of modern music today, which we'll be talking about that. I'd like to welcome to the show... Mike Clark. Hi, Mike. Hey, how you doing? How are you, sir? I feel great. And you? I am doing great. It's really a pleasure to have you on the show today. And uh, I've always been a really big fan of your playing and the music that you've done and contributed to. So it's good to have you on. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Very good. So, Mike, uh, basically, you know, there's a lot of people that know about you out there and, uh, you have a lot of fans and, uh, you've done some really great music and, you know, uh, I guess you would say you're a jazz and funk drummer. What do you think of that title? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt? Did you have more to add there before no, you're I get good. rolling? You're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. I just have my coffee as you know. <laughs> usually, yeah. Usually so, drummers don't care if they interrupt. What the heck? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, I'm actually, my father was a jazz drummer, and uh, so um, there was always a drum set, and he always played jazz records, and jazz music was the, going on in our house all the time, so this is way before funk became popular. This is, I was born in 46, so, uh, and then I, by the time I was eight or nine, I was I was well into doing shows that he'd have me as a child prodigy, if you will, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but I could play the Gene Krupa tap dancing style, Baby Dodds, Gene. Uh, and I was, uh, by the time I was eight or nine, my father was starting to buy Art Blakey records. So I was starting to learn about Charlie Parker. I already knew about Duke Ellington. His record collection was Duke Ellington, Count Basie. Benny Goodman, big band, you know, and some small groups, Buck Clayton, <clears throat> a little bit of Johnny Hodges and uh, th- records he didn't, uh, he wasn't really a bebop guy, my dad, but then he got Art Blakey and uh, he just brought home a picture of a guy with a drum set on the album cover. <clears throat> we started listening to that together. He, he would listen with me. He loved the music. And so <clears throat> I started delving into Max Roach, Philly Joe. I started finding... That record led me to Charlie Parker, let's just say that. So I I did all this through the 50s, and he would take me around to different clubs and pay the bands to have me sit in, and I would still pay the drummer <laughs> five bucks or buy him a beer or whatever, and I'd sit in with everybody I could. And um, <clears throat> then I started getting gigs as a solo drummer. It was kind of a novelty. I played on the Jimmy Dean show at the Blue Room uh, in the Roosevelt a hotel in New Orleans. I played with uh, Murphy Campo 
at the famous store and Mike Lala and a bunch of guys in New Orleans, uh, also with uh, Clarence Frogman Henry, uh, and I would be this kid guest soloist, and I'd come and play it a couple of tunes and take a solo and get house, and that was it. So um, <clears throat> that was my background. And then uh, uh, I always, through the jazz, I always dug the blues. Uh, and I spent a lot of time in the South as a child traveling. My father was by then a railroad man, so we spent time a lot of time in New Orleans, Savannah, Dallas, Atlanta. And um, I started getting... Uh, because I always had an affinity for the James Brown type beats, even before I'd heard James Brown. I'm not saying exactly, but something like that. Because right. uh, of the high school kids who wanted to dance to more of an eighth note thing, so I just had a thing for it. I don't know, and I could do it. But based on that, I started getting calls for blues gigs because most jazz drummers didn't play really good funk in those days. It sounded too much like. Horace Silver Funk, which I love. Don't right. get me wrong. I was into that too. But if you were playing with a more of an electric funk band, you had to have your beats tighter and a little more modern. So I was of that age. So I, oddly enough, the blues gigs were mostly shuffle rhythms, but based on the fact that I could uh, mime, mimic, or whatever you want to call it, James Brown type beat, or a funk beat, Otis Redding, whatever, uh, I, got those, I got blues gigs. So... I developed a passion for the blues, and uh, it seemed to fit the blue notes in my heart. It seemed to fit my understanding, mm. so that's how the funky thing happened. Mm. And then uh, in the 60s, uh, I became best friends with Paul Jackson. We had quite a few bands uh, way before the Headhunters. And we wrote God Make Me Funky, which was a hit, which in fact is coming out uh, I think in a movie in a couple of weeks straight out of Compton because it was uh, the first uh, drumbeat loop sampled by Dre and those guys for Gangster Gangster, right? So, right. Uh, but we wrote and recorded God Make Me Funky way before the Headhunters, years before. So we had jazz, Paul played upright bass and B3 organ. So we had jazz groups and we played funk, you know, if somebody wanted to hear Mercy Mercy, or some cannonball stuff, we play funk like that. And it led to Herbie, what we did with Herbie Hancock. Right. To make a really long story fairly short, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <You know? laughs> it's it, interesting that you you, had, you talk about this blues background. I think I've actually heard you on social media talk about it a little bit before, uh, how important having that blues background is in your swing and, and your funk. Yeah, I think the blues is the root of the all-American music. Uh, um, and uh, in order to play jazz, I always think uh, when I hear jazz that's devoid of the blues, it's not like I'm ready to carry signs and start picketing, but it doesn't strike <laughs> me my main nerve whatsoever. Right. And I'm not the downest guy or saying I'm the bluesiest guy, but it's got to be in there somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? For for me to enjoy it. Maybe I'm old school, whatever anybody wants to say, but that's how I hear it. And uh, Art Blakey, Thelonious Monk, Philly Joe Jones, everybody that we love, Coltrane, they all had that strong blues. That's where it came from. So to me, that's the invention that kicked off all the other stuff the right. stuff that i'm interested in you know so let's let's talk a little bit about so obviously you were traveling with your father and going through the south and stuff how did you end up kind of uh, kind of in the new york scene well when i got with herbie hancock uh i had already had quite a jazz career behind me actually as a right. young guy because the bay area didn't have uh many guys that could play hard bop drums and post-bop drums, and I was that guy. Right. So I got a ton of work. So before I played with Herbie, I had played with Woody Shaw, Eddie Henderson, uh, Joe Henderson, Pharaoh uh, Saunders a bit, and, and uh, whoever was in the Bay Area and whoever came through there, there were two guys that got the gigs. It was either Ed, Eddie Marshall, who passed away, a great drummer. Uh, Eddie Moore had moved to New York and was doing well, so that left me, you know? Right. And... Um, uh, so by the time I met Herbie, I had uh, years of experience playing bebop and um, of some kind or another. Uh, that word is now pretty broad, paints a pretty broad stroke. But um, 
So uh, her being uh, the gig for me was uh, a little boring musically. Now I hate to say this because I'm not being unappreciative. I love Herbie Hancock. He's a genius, and I'll be forever indebted and grateful and never uh, uh, for the solid he laid on me by hiring me and making me uh, a well-known guy, a fairly well-known guy. So, um, but a lot of the music was pretty pretty pedestrian. You know, actually, because well, they were trying to make money, and I got nothing against money. We all need it. <laughs> but I still wanted to really play, and he knew that. So we would have these incredible conversations about the band with Miles and Ron and Tony and Wayne, and he would talk to me about playing with Elvin. And uh, I used to go to his house sometimes, and we'd go into his garage, and he had a piano in his garage, and no air conditioning in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd play for hours, and I'd try to... Uh, pretend I tried to pretend to play like Elvin and he'd play like McCoy. It was really fun, you know. You say play some of that Elvin stuff, which nobody can play like Elvin Jones. But you know, we're just, we're buddies, so we're just talking to each other. It's not a big deal. And he would try to play like McCoy. We try all kind. We play, and I'd make him indulge me in playing all of that stuff from miles to miles and four and more. And I'd try to sound just like Tony, and he would crack up, you know, and tell me things. But he would give me hints about things. Uh, not so much drumming technique, but things to do and not to do uh, while you're playing. It was an incredible experience for me. That was more valuable to my brain than playing the Headhunters music. I, I, I don't want to sound unappreciated because a part of me loves the Headhunters, especially the modern version of it. Uh, we have now Donald Harrison and um, Chris Severin from New Orleans, and uh, uh, we also have... Uh, uh, Stephen Gordon, who lives in New Orleans, who I think is from maybe North Carolina hmm, himself, okay. maybe Charlotte, I'm not sure. But he plays pianos, and he also plays great drums. He plays with uh, Ellis. Right. So, um, and Bill Summers and I lead the band. In fact, we're getting ready to go to Russia for a month in wow. September. But, um, uh, so the new Headhunters is really much more adventuresome, but on the good foot about the old Headhunters band, Am I talking too much? You want to have some great. questions? No, you're great. Go. All right. Okay. Sorry if I'm. No, you know, I haven't had two cups. I'm drinking a <laughs> cup right now. So I just <laughs> everybody. Had a, I just had a big iced coffee, so I'm good too. So I'm good. <laughs> okay. Hey, is it hot there or what? Uh, it's humid. Very humid. Yes. So. Yeah. Here too. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering. I'm looking out the window and I'm going like, ah. So. <laughs> Uh, the new, the old headhunters, though I got to say this, um, uh, it was all experimental. There were no real studio sounds. Nobody used the word pocket. Nobody used hardly ever used the word groove. Like now, groove means a lot of things. In those days, people would say things like, "Let's make it groove a little more," but nobody was like, "Play of." Nobody called it playing funk either. Right. That's a now. If you say I play, he plays funk. Everybody knows what that means, but funk was a term that was meant to get guttural, get down in the basement, get in the gutter, get, get in touch with your feet. You know, it was just like, yeah. play more funky here. It right. didn't even necessarily mean eighth notes or the beats that we identify funk with. It had a different connotation, and pretty soon it became like everything that had a backbeat in it, you know? Right. right. And uh, this is a little pre... Uh, so when you're in the studio, as a drummer, I didn't have studio drum sound. I just took a set of drums out of the out of the trunk of the car, set them up, and played thrust. Boom, and went, went home, you know. So uh, Harvey Mason was the only guy that I knew at that time that had an official quote-unquote studio sound, you know. Right. And I didn't even know what kind of heads to buy. I was like a, I had a Gretsch 18-inch jazz kit, four-piece jazz kit, two mm. K cymbals and K hi-hats. That was it. Um, Lenny White and I became really good friends at this time. I heard him was, uh, playing Red Clay with Freddie and all that, and it blew my mind. So he was like, uh, we were both, he gave me uh, a drum set that he had used with Freddie Hubbard, a blonde Gretsch. Nice. And that's how I started with Herbie Hancock, with his old Gretsch set. And he traded that set, he gave it to me a couple hundred bucks, and he bought a five set because he was going with Chick, and the music was getting louder, so the drums had to be bigger. Right. You know, most of us played traditional grip and eventually had to change to a match grip to cut the volume. Right. Um, 
That's all I can think of. (laughs) (laughs) So you were, you know, so the whole terminology and everything, you were kind of around when it started to really take shape and, you know, there's labels for everything and... Uh, yeah, I played with Albert King and Jimmy Reed and Albert Collins, and I wasn't in their bands, but I played in a club where those guys would come frequent in the 60s, so the terms were different. It was the same words, but they meant different things in those days, you right, know? Right, right. Yeah, and the same with jazz musicians, um, uh, and then now the terms are a little different, you know? It's we all... You know, every, but everything evolves or changes anyway. I would I don't know if we call it evolving. Depend on what's where your head's at. Right. <laughs> I, I'm a little. I feel a little funny to introducing you as a jazz and funk drummer. It kind of like puts you so it puts you in a narrow hall. There, I think there's so much more that you bring to the music than just having two, uh, you know, simplified labels of music put on you. Well, so. I mean, it's okay. It's uh, it's like it kind of describes. It actually is fairly accurate. I mean, I play funk, I play blues, and I play jazz. Right. I'm not a great uh, guy to call for Latin gigs because I don't. I only know a couple of the traditional. Right. I mean, I have some slick beats, but I don't even know whether they're the correct. You know, I don't have that education. <laughs> you don't I know have, the Spanish have, names uh, for those beats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I don't really have all that under my belt, and right. to study that would take a. That's a lifetime study, like it Absolutely. is for the study that I've done and am still doing. I'm still studying Philly, Philly Joe Jones and Max Roach and all of this phrasing. You right. know, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about your grip. You, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're. What would this grip be called for those that aren't drummers out there? Yeah, uh, well, I uh, was mentioning a traditional grip, right? Which is, uh, I don't know how to explain it on the phone uh, on the. On, uh, uh, without show, but you know it's where the hand. Uh, let's see, turn the left hand. If you're if you're right-handed, your left hand would turn like, kind of like opening a doorknob. Right. You know, in that position where uh, a match grip would be, both hands looking the same, where right. it's more straight up and down. Right. So, and you use that that upended grip there. So. Uh, I use the I use the traditional grip almost exclusively, but like every drummer that's been saddled with volume over the years, I turn them over when it when it when it. And now there's through the having to turn the sticks over for me, uh, I've come up with ideas that sound better with a traditional uh, with a match grip. So I go in and out of both my brain just just like driving a car when moving from lane to lane or shifting gears or right. or whatever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just however things feel. I just, my hands move that way. I don't even question it or it's not planned. It's just like a like a boxer or something. You're just, it's all instinct now. But I, uh, but when I first turned from, uh, to try to start a match grip, it was a hassle for me because I didn't have any fingers working in the left hand. So right. it was only the wrist motion. So I was, I'm much better with the traditional grip as far as like, if I have to really move in and, in and out of the drum set really fast and all over the place, if the music calls for that type of thing, I'm I'm much more adept at the at the traditional than I am matched. Well, we really love it. I love the way you play. So we're we're speaking to Mike Clark, jazz and funk drummer, today on Music Biz Radio, and uh, he's been talking to us a little bit about how his career got going and. Uh, some of the cool projects and things that he's been able to do. Now, one of the things that ha- has happened in several recent years was they've used a lot of your beats as samples, like Prince, I guess, De La Soul, Janet Jackson, a lot of different uh, artists have used your uh, samples, your your beats and your samples. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, let's see. At one point, as the story goes, I don't know if this is true or not, and I'm certainly not bragging here because it doesn't uh, matter to me one way or another if I don't get paid. At one point, uh, other than Clyde, Jabbo, and Bernard Purdy and a couple others, I was supposed to be one of the most sampled drummers in the world. I don't know if that's true. I've never... How would you find that out? But, I mean, I've seen that in magazines, and I'm like, really? Well, where's my gold? Where's my Rolex? Then, if that, you know. Uh, so um, I feel like a couple of ways about it. Uh, it's a it's a way to get street cred. Should you need it, I don't know that I need that, but it comes with the territory. Right. Um, 
it's nice that uh, I've been part of something. Uh, my girlfriend was telling me today that I should show tons of appreciation for having those beats sampled and to reach so many people. Um, and she's right. Yeah. And and uh, so I'm working on that because, see, I didn't get... Uh, uh, pay like so, and I'm from the old school of if you if you work for me, if I hired you to do a job, I pay you for your work. Right. So I say, if you're gonna if you don't know how to play an instrument, many of those guys can't find middle C on the piano, <laughs> uh, and you um, and you use my my ideas or um, on tunes that I wrote, not just the beats, but right. tunes that I wrote then please pay me. Just like those guys want to get paid, and they get big paydays, I'd like to be paid myself for my work. I can't imagine asking a guy to do a job for free. I'm sure if you ask one of those guys who did not pay me to work for free, they'd be extremely angry, you know? So, as I said, I was interviewed in Vibe Magazine, and I can sum it up by this saying that I said in Vibe Magazine. I dug the cred but I'd rather have the bread. <laughs> I think that sums up my feeling on, right, right. on, on, on that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, uh, yeah, so you have, so obviously mixed feelings about it, but appreciative, thanks to your girlfriend. Yeah, I am, actually, absolutely. <laughs> Anytime you, you know, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, that's excellent. So, so let's talk a little bit about um, you. Uh, this whole, this we're obviously in a new era here with music and promotion and musical promotion and self promotion, whatever you want to call it, uh, with the social media. If you happen to be lucky enough to be a Facebook friend or be connected with Mike on Facebook, you're going to find some pretty, uh, pretty funny, um, important. <laughs> a lot of different uh, th uh, emotions of Facebook posts and different things. And, you know, I would say that I would consider you pretty outspoken on stuff and you really don't have a need to hold back on things. What well, the things that I feel need to be discussed, I'm for some reason at this point in my life, I'm not afraid to discuss it. People get mad at me, disagree with me. That's okay. And then a lot of people agree with me. That always feels good. You know, but, <laughs> but on certain issues, I don't need outside valid, validation, like issues such as race, right. police shooting uh, uh, black people or murdering them or however. You know, that's, right. that's not an opinion. I mean, people either get killed or not. I mean, it's like... I'm not saying that every single incident, you know, just pe things that I find where people trying to take advantage of people monetarily or like, you know, trying to stop others from voting, stop others from working, making money to, you know, any kind of thing that I feel is anti-human, I, I feel as an artist it's my responsibility to speak up on it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm not right about everything I say. I don't, but... Some things you kind of, at this point in my life, I would say I have a fair idea of what's going on in the world and who's doing what. I don't think it's, uh, it takes rocket science to get to that, if you will. Right. You know, this, and I'm sure you know what's going on, too. I mean, like, that's part of our, like I say, I don't know everything and everything that's going on, and I'm not right about everything that I post. But if somebody does something that I feel is Okay, like the other guy, the other day, a guy lured a lion out of its place, and it had a collar on. So, and then he sh shot it with a crossbow. And you know, I'm sure you've read about right. that. I mean, yep. something like that. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, for me, that's completely wrong. You know what I mean? It's like I'm sure he knew that was uh, it had a collar on. How could you not see it? And uh, it's just some things I just can't roll with. I mean, somebody else can, fine. You know what I mean? Right. But I can't. Or any kind of, in, uh, when I see uh, any kind of brutality towards anybody, I, I, have, I feel I have to say something. Right. And um, so I, I put a lot of stuff out there. You know what I mean? When right. I'm in that kind of a mood, you know. And then another time, you come home from a gig late at night, you have a couple of beers, I probably shouldn't go online and write anything. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, at the time they should shut the computer off and lock it. Don't go near that computer, Clark. You know what I mean? Until the morning. I think I've read your a, coffee. I think I've read a couple of those. And, but also, you know, I'm able to do self-reflection because some right. of the stuff I put on there, I find that I really think is like I'm 100% right about. I'm not right about it. And people right. will point it out. And, of course, you know, I want to get mad and this and that like everybody does. But then I think about it and I go like, you know what? That guy was right, in my opinion. So it's a chance to grow. Um, like I'm very p opinionated about, about jazz, and I realize right. that. So I put things on there. And the other day I wrote something, and uh, a lot of guys wrote back like, well, hey, you know, um, this, that, the other. They kind of disagreed with me. And so naturally my first thought was they really don't know and they don't have the experience I do. But then after I started reading what they were saying, I was like, you know what, these guys are making some great horse sense here, and the person who's not making horse sense is me. Hmm. So it's kind of cool. Uh, as far as, you know, putting stuff out there about, like, the state of music, the state of jazz, what, how do you feel about the state of jazz right now and, and the scene, I guess you could call it? Well, I don't know about the state of, because I think... Um, 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 the state of the music business. I don't even know if we have a music business anymore. Right. Uh, I don't think uh, that now it, uh, how good one plays or, or how well one writes music or I don't think any of that has anything to do with a lot of the things we're hearing now. Sometimes it does. It's not 100% that way. But I think... Uh, um, if you can create the fortune, if you can garner an agent and a manager that understands your music and believes in you, you have a chance of getting out there. If there is a record company left that will play uh, acoustic jazz music and hook a guy's career up and have him on tour and pretty soon he's on the festivals, uh, if you have that kind of luck or fortune, if you're able to create that kind of fortune for yourself, I think for that person, uh, the jazz business is great. <laughs> um, uh, I know a lot of clubs are closed, and I know um, uh, that it seems to be more, uh, much more difficult. However, I find myself working all the time. I don't know how, or it just keeps going. And I'm like, well, okay. But, uh, I mean, my phone keeps ringing and with all kinds of projects. I'm, I produce records now. I don't just drum. I mean, there's all kinds of things I'm involved in. Um, I just produced a, a couple of CDs, and there's one more I'm working on now for a spoken word artist named mm. Tony Adamo, who's quite different and has some different uh, ideas about things. And he speaks up his mind about all kinds of stuff, not just politics, but all kinds of things that he peeps as he travels through his life, you know? And uh, uh, Lenny White played drums on one of them that I produced in... Uh, so I'm involved in a whole bunch of different stuff. I'm also, um, me and Michael Wolf, uh, a great pianist and, and composer, a brilliant guy, have a record out called The Wolf and Clark Expedition. Our second right. record mm -hmm. was out and it was in the top 10 jazz charts for three months. And uh, it's, uh, it's called uh, Wolf and Clark Expedition right. 2, where we reharmonized and... Uh, re-rhythmized and did a whole bunch of stuff to some old jazz standards and then uh, Mike wrote some originals and we just kind of um, uh, and it's, I, I re it's one of the few records that I'm on that I can actually listen to and not hear myself as the drummer I just listen to the music and, mm. it, and I like it you know right. okay. um, so uh, I'm doing that I'm like uh, I'm uh, Will Blades, the organist, right. uh, a young organ player who's quite, quite good, and Haley Nicewanger, uh, uh plays alto saxophone. Uh, she's a New Yorker now, uh, originally from Portland. She's transplanted here, and she's playing with uh, Miss Spaulding and has been. Um, and she's quite good. She's also on that Wolf and Clark Expedition 2 record, and... Um, uh, we are going to play the San Jose Jazz Festival on uh, August 9th in uh, San Jose, obviously. And we have a trio, and it's called Clark, Blades, and Nicewanger. And uh, we can play bebop, any kind of organ jazz you want. 
um, or funk or everything in between. And we do. It's quite interesting. And uh, so uh, we're also playing, that's on the 9th and on the 8th, we're playing the Boom Boom Room in San Francisco, if any of you guys are going out there. Um, let's see. I'm making a record with um, uh, Jerry Weldon uh, while I'm out in San Francisco and uh, Mr. Pierce on organ, which will be uh, another organ trio. Okay. And I'm doing that uh, um, on the 10th. Okay, and you can find August. out a lot more of these dates on your website, which is drummermikeclark.com, and it has... Uh, all you want to find out about Mike and his dates and everything you have going out there as well. Uh, actually, I just, you know, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. I just want to really thank you. And actually, thank you. I think you a couple of years back, you actually gave me one of your charts you said I could use. And I am really upset at myself for not remembering the name of the tune. But it was, I, <laughs> I think it was, uh, I cannot, I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names of tunes. But it was one of the tunes that you were doing and, the, the the sheets were sitting around and I said, Oh, this is great. You said, Oh, go ahead and use it. So I think I played it on a couple gigs, but thanks for that. And well, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I and, wish uh, I could remember the tune. <laughs> uh, what, now tell me again. Can you tell me, I just had trouble hearing you right there. For some reason, the phone got weird. Uh, what what oh, record was it on? No, it was like, uh, it was at one of the gigs and this, you had the, the sheet music was on stage and I said, Oh, I love this tune. And I, and you said something like, Oh, go ahead and you can have it. And so I, you let me have the sheet music and it, it's something that's not a standard and I can't remember what it is, but I ended up playing it up with one of my groups a little bit. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So, and I always remember no, that. I, I, you know, I also, I got big band charts and everything. Cause I'm, I do a lot of clinics at colleges and I have actual proof in big band form wow. and all of that stuff. So if anybody, anybody listening, uh, uh, you know, like I'm, I do the clinics, but I also do a big band thing and I got bassy and modern. I got a bunch of Herbie stuff and, uh, not wow. just the funk stuff, the jazz stuff, uh, all set up for an 18 piece band. And, uh, nice. I might um, have to take you up on that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me know. Excellent. Was that tune maybe loft funk well, written by Jed Levy and I was, was that it you think? Yeah. I, yeah, it was, uh, Donald Harrison Brecker, Antonio Faro, a great okay. piano player from Italy, and Christian McBride was on that gig. Yeah, actually, yeah, you yeah. Know? Yep, that, um, that was cool. And we did it, when you were there before, I think we did it with Wallace Roney playing trumpet, yep. which was incredible. Yep, it was yep. incredible. I, you did a couple, yeah. yeah. I think you had one was Wallace, and I think one was uh, Randy, so. Brecker, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. It was well, pretty cool. You, yeah, you can't lose either way on that, you no, know. That's a, that's a nice <laughs> selection. Nice selection of players Certainly right is. there. Well, Mike, I really want to thank you for being on today. And, um, you know, again, uh, he has a lot of cool dates coming up. You need to check it out. If you haven't had a chance to hear, the, you probably already have heard the music of Mike Clark. If you haven't had a chance, please go look him up online. You can go to drummermikeclark.com. You can Wikipedia him. There's a lot of different things you can do to him. So <laughs> check him out. He's also on Facebook and uh just continuing to make great music. And Mike, we really enjoyed having you on today. I'm honored and I really appreciate it. Thank you for thinking of me. And, uh, uh I had a blast. I'll, and I'll see you. Hope to see you soon, man. If I come to your area, I will definitely contact you. Oh, without a doubt, man. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. And, uh, right, brother. we will be okay, right man. back with more music biz radio right after this. Hi, this is Arturo Sandoval, and you're listening to Music Biz Radio with David Richards. I'd like to invite you to check us out on musicbizradio.com. You can also go to Facebook and give us a like on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash musicbizradio. Music Biz Radio is free programming. We also give you a chance to contribute to the show and help us to continue our broadcasting. You can go to musicbizradio.com for more information, or you can go to GoFundMe slash musicbizradio. Hi, this is Tom Bones Malone, and you're listening to Music Biz Radio with David Richards. All right, one, 
Welcome back to Music Biz Radio. I'm your host, David Richards. Throughout the show today, we've been listening to some great music. Um, the very next thing, which is from Hot Jazz Jumpers, and we've really enjoyed that. And on the line right now, we have Nick Russo from Hot Jazz Jumpers. Hi, Nick. How are you? Hi, David. Thanks again for having me on the show. Much, much appreciated. It, it's great to have you. We've really enjoyed the music today, and... Uh, it's quite uh, quite a variety of music. You have a ton of performers on here. Uh, tell us a little bit about the CD. Uh, sure. It started as a DVD, which is included in the package, and we had a very magical day, uh, the worst snowstorm in 2015. So, And we actually made the DVD at our own place. We have a music studio here and a beautiful space. Actually, might eventually open it to like a small club. Uh, where we have like a house concert and we had a magical day with all these great musicians and we ate food and we had no arrangements, no charts, no preconceived ideas, just a basic sketch of some tunes that uh, my wife, Bettina Hershey, and myself decided. And the core of the group is uh, Bettina Hershey on vocals and guitar, rhythm guitar. And she's also an amazing dancer. So we have a dance element to our group. And then myself, Nick Russo, I'm playing a resonator, uh, baritone resonator, tenor banjo and uh, acoustic guitar and actually and Roger Boris is electric guitar and then the other two members are um, my colleagues Miles Griffith amazing improviser composer and singer him and I went to uh, Aaron Copeland school together and uh, amazing percussionist and Gullah Geechee composer tambourine player monica player singer um, David Pleasant so it's a really really awesome uh, group very interesting influences and but also on that video session we had the great Essie at Essie at actually Art Blakey's last bass player and wow. played with you know Daniela Perez and just a real heavy heavy uh, very deep deep musician from Nigeria and a good friend of mine another colleague been playing forever together so Essie at Essie and then um a uh, great uh accord now from Grand Street Stompers, who I've been a member of for many years now, and Gordon and I have been musicians, uh, side people on many gigs, and also the great clarinet player, uh, Dennis Lickman, who um, leads Mona's Hot Four, which I'm also a member of. We've been doing that for eight years, and it was a great magical session, which a lot of great music came out, and we played 2030s music. We played music from New Orleans, some Gullah Geechee-influenced music. Uh, we even did uh, an original, uh, which is very interesting here. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I think uh, people are just going to love this. We did a second session, uh, so we do some of those uh, videos. We use the audio from that, engineered by my cousin, Lenny Monticello, and we use that for the CD and then added some other tracks with uh, great Mamadou Ba, the electric bass player that I played with in Malika, Malika Zara's group. Uh, actually, I played her CD release and just honored to be amongst some great African musicians for, for actually a few years. And... Uh, Mamadou Ba plays on that, and also the great Josh Holcomb plays trombone on two tracks, including an original that I wrote. And then we have uh, David Pleasant playing some other tunes with us on tambourine and harmonica, and then Miles Griffith and uh, Bettina Hershey came in and did some vocals. So, yeah, it's a really amazing, eclectic mix. I think it's 17 tracks on the CD and a good 11 tracks on the DVD. So it's it's an amazing archival moment in my life just where I'm playing with my favorite musicians and and yeah, we had two great sessions, and also um, a big thanks to um, this great videographer that also is a singer-songwriter and hangs out with a lot of musicians that moan is a lot, um, Sergio Carrasco, so uh, he did the videography, and, and also did the first audio from the video, and then uh, Lenny Panichello did the um, mixing of that, that video. And yeah, yeah it's, a great, it's been a great uh, project, we've really been enjoying it, and we're also uh, ready to go on a little mini-tour uh, this Monday. Oh, wow, okay, so... Uh, quite a, uh, list of players. The music is, uh, you have a ton of different stuff in there. A lot of different sounds, a lot of different musicians and, uh, really enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, so you kind of have like an all-star lineup of basically players that kind of represent the New York trad jazz scene up there. In a way, it's actually kind of half and half. So uh, I'm honored to have my 
friends from the 2030s jazz scene in the group, but then also David Pleasant brings this whole um, Gullah Geechee dance. Uh, I, wanna, I don't want to say avant-garde, but I'm almost experimental um, right. sound. Being a member of Cecil Taylor's group and playing with Paul Simon and uh, choreographed, um, I hope I'm getting the title of this dance company. I think it's African Bushwomen. I can look that up. And then Miles Griffith bringing this whole Calypso influence and very unique uh, improvised vocal sounds, like having a horn player in the band and Miles being part of Wynton Marcellus' Blood on the Fields and also played with Paul Simon and uh, T.S. Monk and Reggie Workman. We just have these eclectic mixes, and, and I love letting everyone do whatever they want. I love when we have complete artistic freedom. Actually, everything I forgot to mention was pretty much a first take live, you know, no no charts, no arrangements, and just you hear this this music, and I just I, came, I couldn't be prouder, like how the arrangements just happen for the moment. And now we're doing some of these live gigs. We actually learn what we improvise, which is a really cool hmm. process on some of the tunes, like Ico Ico, which is uh, titled Giacomo on the, on the album. So it's a great concept, uh, making a video, basically. Well, I wouldn't say impromptu, but you definitely had a session there at the house, and you had a curtain in the background. You you were telling me about that. Yeah, it looks like a club. It's really a nice space, and uh, yeah, just uh, it's also wonderful vibes too. Because we're just in a very um, like positive energy in our home. We've had a lot of musicians rehearse here, including great Victor Jones with um, uh, Black Velvet's group, the All Star, uh, James Brown, uh, I guess uh, cover band that I'm in, and so Kim Clark's been here from Defunct, and uh, great um, Andre LaSalle. Um, great guitar player plays with Jimi Hendrix's sister. So yeah, this house has been blessed with like a lot of great musicians coming in and out of the doors. And we have David Pleasant stay up here with us because uh, he's back and forth between Savannah, Georgia and uh, New York and his drum school in California. And uh, yeah, Miles Griffith's been here and uh, Grant Street Stompers and Mona Top Forest had rehearsals. And yeah, uh, uh, Will Friedwall from the Wall Street Journal has been here with his projects with the great John Weber playing my piano and uh, the amazing Mark Nadler. So uh, I'm only mentioning his name so just because I'm um, out of appreciation that everyone, um, uh, yeah, calls me for gigs and then also just a big family of musician friends. Oh, not to mention the whole Latin scene. I actually have Emiliano Valerio. We've had weekly rehearsals here for our Latin gigs. So a lot of uh, great musicians from the um, the more Brazilian Latin scene, uh, Latin jazz scene, has been through our doors and played in that same space. So yeah, maybe maybe eventually we'll do a house concert, but it would be uh, probably unfortunately oh. Or fortunately, um, a very small event where we just invite you know close people, or or maybe do several events because uh, the the space is smaller, you know, for the actually having a perform a live performance with an audience. And we're speaking with Nick Russo right now uh, from Hot Jazz Jumpers, and we're talking about their new CD DVD very next thing uh, on Tuesday nights. Uh, there's a session that's been going on for I believe eight years now from at Mona's. Right which is basically kind of the hang for, you have the Mona's Hot Four, which you're a member of, and there's many, many musicians and people that go on Tuesday nights, late Tuesdays at Mona's, and it's kind of one of the uh, main representatives, I guess you could say, of the trad jazz scene. That's right. Dennis Lickman runs it and not only plays amazing, also brings his original compositions, and then it opens up the session, very warm vibe, very open, but also very musical, too. He he sets it up in, in a way that it's a nice balance of just having a smaller number of people play for a couple tunes in a row, then we switch it out and give everyone a chance. And then the great Jared Engel is on bass and the great Gordon Webster on piano. So I'm, I'm really honored to play with, like, these are also my favorite musicians that I call for my gigs and I play in their bands. And so, yeah, we've been almost, almost going on nine years, I believe. Yeah, it's eight years currently. And as you probably know, there's been a bunch of documentaries on it. And I <laughs> can't, uh, can't help but thank uh, Aiden and Jen uh, Aiden Grant, actually an amazing photographer, and uh, Jen Waters, an amazing um, artist. And them being the bartenders, like you can ask for uh, a warmer staff, and just everyone is uh, is just so musical. And uh, Deep Singh visits us every week. The tabla player with Singh and James Genus has been in and out of the doors. And of course, uh, the great Mike Davis and Josh Holcomb and um, Bria Skomberg, amazing musicians come through. Josh Holcomb, I mentioned, and. Uh, um, yeah, I'm probably leaving out so many names. Jake Handelman comes by a lot. Uh, Jim Fryer from and Dan Levinson. Dan Levinson is probably one of our biggest yeah. supporters, and uh, he just comes by and makes his presence. And uh, and this and also everybody hangs out and listens too. We all take turns 
taking a step away from the bandstand and listening to each other, which I think is an important aspect of the session. Including myself, I love taking a little water break and uh, like listening to these great uh, musicians that come and sit in. It's it's a great time, and I've been lucky enough to play there many times and played a bunch of gigs with a lot of these uh, names you're bringing up and stuff. And I had met you years ago, and you were just a quiet guy over there playing the guitar and doing your thing in the banjo and all the different instruments and just really enjoyable. If you do, if you do get a chance to check that out, you definitely have to go to Mona's on a Tuesday night. It usually gets kicking about 1130. Uh, from what I remember, is that about right? Yeah. It's a <laughs> house band starts off with a set at 11 and then we go till 3am plus. Sometimes we have the mood strike this world with 3:30 and Sometimes till four. That's the maximum. <laughs> There's a lot of pluses when I was in there. That's right. <laughs> so That's just right. really <laughs> awesome West Village Mona's. You got to check it out. So, but Thanks, uh, David. I yeah, appreciate it. really, yeah, really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, so I think that um, this CD is very cool. Uh, looking forward to uh, checking out the DVD as well. When when do you think that's going to when's that going to release? The release date is going to be around November. It'll be a national release, but we have actually three more pre-release concerts uh, in, in Woods Hold starting this Monday, so this Monday, August 3rd, uh, Tuesday, August 4th, and Wednesday, August uh, 5th at quicksholdmusic.com. That's the series, and we're actually playing at uh, Quickshold Tavern. Uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Quickshold Tavern in Woods Hold. That's 29 Railroad Avenue, Woods Hold, and the, all the concerts are at 9 o'clock, and we'll play a couple sets, and... Uh, it's a great series, actually. Um, Quickshold, plural, so quicksholdmusic.com. Uh, you can check out John Paxton and also Grant Gordy Quartet is playing there August 11th after us. And actually, currently, um, actually, uh, Future, uh, Rhythm Future Quartet just finished, just yesterday. So, um, yes, yeah, so I would love for anyone in the Cape Cod area to come up uh, this Monday through Wednesday, we'd love to see folks. And I know we're in the Cape Cod Times and a couple other publications and some of the radio stations have been putting us up on their calendar. And uh, by the way, our website, if it's okay to say, is yeah. um, hot, hot Jazz Jumpers with plural, hotjazzjumpers.com. And you can find us on Facebook. My Facebook page is Banjo Nickaroo. It's Banjo and then Nickaroo, N-I-C-K-A-R-U. I have another Facebook page, uh, Nick Russo One One, but since Nick Russo is such a popular, um, common name, I should say, <laughs> it's a little bit more difficult. So, um, Banjo Nick Russo is a little easier to find me on there. And then my YouTube channel is Nick Russo One One, so we have hot jazz jumpers videos in there, including some some interviews and documentaries with that group, and also with my other group, um, Nick Russo Plus Eleven. That's a different style of music; it's original music, but that features um, the great Mark Turner and Ari Honig. And uh, my my guru of Samir Chatterjee, Pandit Samir Chatterjee, as well with, as well as um, Nathan Peck and uh, Art Here Hara plays piano and Matt Closey, the other bass players on the CD, but also uh, David Pleasant and Miles Griffith also joined me um, on that album and on that session. And then we actually have a great uh, trumpet player, Gordon Now, who plays with both groups. Um, and then Greg Glassman plays on the CD on the first CD. Very good. Well, we've been talking with uh, Nick Russo and. Uh, Throughout the show today, he's our CD release featured artist of the week with uh, very next the very next thing, which is out going to be coming out in November on CD and DVD, and uh, that is Hot Jazz Jumpers, and you can check that out hotjazzjumpers.com. Nick, thanks so much for being on. We've really enjoyed your music today, and uh, I've always enjoyed your playing, and think you're a real great player you may have a common name but you don't play very commonly <laughs> oh that's so nice thanks, thanks for saying that all and right you know, by the way if anyone uh, was interested in physical copies we actually the band ourselves we have physical copies that we can snail mail people and uh but yeah all the downloads and everything will be probably out and sometime in november and uh actually i'll be down in raleigh so i really hope to get a chance to play with you david uh i'll be playing with um you know my good friend doug large and probably uh some point um like around august uh I think I'll be down there August 17th that week through the 21st. I'm not sure what date I'll be playing with him, but uh, very we'll cool. We'll, and play we, some music together. We will definitely be looking for that. Okay, well, Nick, thanks so much for being on today, and uh, good luck with the CD and DVD. It sounds great, and uh, I think it's a great concept. And uh, just lastly, I want to just put a shout-out to my godmother and Aunt, uh, Aunt Laura and all the campions, Uncle Joe and Tiffany, Amanda, and Joe Jr., because they're a uh, Great. I'm so blessed to have such an amazing family. That's my family down in Raleigh. 
and they're huge music lovers too. So it's good to mention their names because they'll they'll come out to support music and uh, and yeah, they're just they're wonderful, amazing, amazing people. And uh, so yeah, I had to give a shout out to them. They'll they'll be listening to the podcast, and uh, they're really dear to my heart. Oh, that's and, great. And, of course, my, my grandmother is still down there, too, and Lipinski is down there as well in Raleigh. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to visit you guys in Raleigh. And uh, uh, I can't thank you enough, Dave, for having me on the show. And uh, definitely we'll get you a physical copy because, actually, uh, my cousin, uh, Roy Kinzer, did the artwork. And my two kids, my twins, uh, Sariana and Lydian, are young, amazing artists. Uh, and Lyd Redmile did some amazing photography. So I want to get great. you a copy yes. of that. Check it out. Very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I think we're all looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Nick. I really do appreciate having you on, and glad that you could say hi to everybody, and hopefully we'll see them out here down in Raleigh. So, Oh, great. All right, cool, Nick. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, well, stay with us. We will be back with more Music Biz Radio right after this. And you are listening to Music Biz Radio with David Richards. Hi, this is David Richards, host of Music Biz Radio. We really hope you enjoy the program, and we want to remind you that Music Biz Radio is a listener-supported and limited sponsorship show brought to you every week on musicbizradio.com. We invite you to go to our website and check out all the new merchandise. We also have great ways you can be a part of the show. Go to the contribution section of our webpage and you can find ways that not only can you help keep the show going, but you can also get some great Music Biz Radio merch. If you're a person or business interested in sponsoring the show in some way, we have a variety of sponsorship packages. Just go to the link on our contact page. Thanks again for listening to Music Biz Radio. Hi, it's Osnoy here and you're listening to Music Biz Radio with David Richards. So you want to be a musician? Well, maybe you had better get in the shed. Welcome to one of the most important parts of the show, In the Shed. Funk drummer Mike Clark is considered one of the premier funk masters of his time. I suggest you listen to his advice on how to really lay it down. Hi, this is Mike Clark, and you're in the shed. When you play your double stroke rolls, feel them as triplets. It will make them stand up and sound a lot cleaner, but they'll still sound nasty so you get the best of both worlds. Well, that's going to do it again for Music Biz Radio. I'd like to thank everyone that was on the show today, including Mike Clark, we really enjoyed you, as well as Nick Russo from Hot Jazz Jumpers, who is our CD release featured artist of the week. We hope you join us every week right here on Music Biz Radio. Thank you for listening to this week's show. We hope that you enjoyed the program and will join us every week. For information on being a guest or just to contact us, please email us at trumpetdr at gmail.com. This now concludes our transmission. 